0: Genesis chapter 4, please. And we're just going to take time to read the first five verses together. And this is the word of the Lord. And we read here, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground and in pro and in pro, process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word uh, to each of our hearts this morning. Now we've arrived at our 11th study in the book of Genesis. And in recent times we've looked at Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Many people believe that the Bible can be split into periods where we see how God is interacting with man in those times. And in chapters 1 and 2 we see the dispensation of innocence. And then we moved into chapter 3 and in chapter 3 we move into the dispensation of conscience. Now man being aware of his sin and of course if Genesis chapter 3 deals with the root of sin, Genesis 4 deals with the fruit of sin. Really Adam and Eve could never have imagined the consequences and all the fruits of their disobedience to God in the garden of eden i'm sure if they had been aware of all that would follow they would have thought twice before being deceived by the serpent found here in chapter four is the story of two sons the true story of two sons cain and abel and in this story i believe that we have a clear picture of the difference between religion and god's salvation The difference between religion and God's salvation, and that's the title of our study this morning. Now let me make it clear here today that there is a difference between religion and God's salvation. You see, religion is what humanity does for themselves. Salvation is what God has done for humanity. Religion is humanity trying to reach up to God. Salvation is God reaching down for humanity. Religion, uh, religion will take you to hell. Salvation will take you to heaven. So it's very important today that for you to find out whether you have religion or whether you you really have God's salvation, that salvation that will take you to heaven. You know, there are plenty of people sitting on our pews up and down our land today. Many heavily involved, maybe even in the work of churches. And they've got religion and not salvation. Maybe you say, well, Peter, that's a very bold statement for you to make. H- how can you say that, Peter. Well, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 7. This is what he says. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name have we not done many wonderful works? And then will I, the Lord Jesus, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Listen, don't rely on a prayer that you prayed when you were younger. It's not the sinner's prayer being said that saves you. It's a contrite, repentant heart and full faith and trust in the saviour of Calvary and the blood that was shed. As we move through this chapter, I want you to notice the difference between religion and salvation as it's illustrated in the lives of these two boys Cain and Abel who were the children of Adam and Eve. And as we move through these verses, you will notice that the long list of firsts that we've been discovering in Genesis continues. These verses in chapter 4 contain the first murder in the Bible. We see the first conceptions in the Bible. We see the first birth deliveries in the Bible. We see the first jobs. We have a shepherd. We have a farmer. We see the first questions. We see the first murder. We see the first spiritual conflict. and what makes this spiritual conflict so sad in Genesis 4 is that it's played out between two, it's not played out between two hostile armies that are led by two opposing generals with clashing armies. What makes it so sad is it's in-house. This is sibling rivalry. This is brother against brother that takes place. It takes place in the same household. Here the battle line is drawn in the home. Here the battle line involves darkness clashing with light. It involves error clashing with truth. It involves an unbeliever clashing with a believer. It's false religion clashing with true salvation. And it's all under one household. So this is the first struggle that we see being played out of Genesis 3.15. The first struggle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. So we want to look carefully at this first battle between the children of the devil, the children of wrath, as Paul calls them, and the children of God. Now, as we go through this passage, it, 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 there, it really just has a series of contrasts. There's great separation in this passage. And let's just do as we normally do. Let's, let's break the passage down phrase by phrase and seek to glean God's truth from it. I want you to notice, first of all, the two sons the two sons look at the first couple of verses here it says and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said I have gotten a man from the Lord and she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of sheep but Cain was a teller of the ground it says here and Adam knew Eve in the Bible for a man to know a woman is to enter into the most intimate and personal love relationship that could ever exist on earth. And it refers to the intimacy of a sexual relationship which is reserved for marriage. Adam knew Eve in a way that was so intimate and so personal that it resulted in her conceiving and bearing Cain. It says she conceived and bare or gave birth to Cain. This is the first child to be born as a result of the first pregnancy that would take place in the human race. You remember that God commanded our first parents in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and they obeyed this mandate. And while it's true that the building of family isn't the only purpose of marriage, and not every marriage is blessed with children, it's also true that children are a precious gift from God and should be welcomed with joy. The Jewish people in the Old Testament and the Christians in the first century church would be appalled at today's abortion statistics and the philosophies of people who produce them. Eve says in our passage, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now in the original language, the word from isn't there. And this statement more literally reads, I have begotten a baby boy, the Lord. I've gotten a man, literally means it's it's just a baby boy, it's a boy that is a baby, I've gotten a baby boy, the Lord and so in her mind either this conception and delivery has come about with the help of the Lord and that's very possible but a lot of commentators believe that, uh, that Eve's expectation is that the answer to the promise of chapter 3, that a Messiah would come, has been answered immediately, that this child would be the saviour, but of course it Was the very opposite. The one born to Eve was Cain, who who was born with the same sin nature as her and her husband Adam. And of course, Abel was born also. And verse two, and again she bare his brother Abel. And as we will learn, there are many differences between these two brothers, but there are many things that are similar in these two boys as well. And we know one thing that's immediately similar: we know they were both sinners. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed, passed upon all men for all of sin. Cain and Abel were sinners and they were born sinners. The very sin nature that Eve herself had come to possess and had passed on, as she had passed on to her two sons. For Adam and Eve are now plagued with, with a sin nature in their heart and in their soul. There's this nature to sin, a, a desire to sin. And be, this is all because of Adam's original sin. And that was in Cain. And that was in Abel, and that is in you and that's in me no one ever had to teach us to sin we had to be taught not to sin and we learned this through the scriptures you know they shared the same environment these two boys they were brought up outside the gates of the garden of Eden not only did they have a similar environment they had many things in common these two boys had the same opportunity to know the Lord uh, they were born in the same family. They were taught the same things which Adam and Eve taught to them both. They, they were both had the opportunity to know God in an equal way. Yet we know that one of these boys went to heaven and one of these boys went to hell. Listen please. Only you know your heart. You know your own heart before God. And can I ask, are you just religious and turning in and sitting in the pew and going through the motions, or are you saved? Only you truly know that. You know your heart's position. You could sit in the same meetings as everybody else. You could hear the same teaching as everybody else. You could hear the gospel preached like everybody else. But you could still end up in hell. You could just come here and go. And go through the motions the whole way through your life. And pull the wool over everybody else's eyes. But you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. The story of Cain is the story of religion. It leads to hell. Brought up in the same environment as Abel. And his life begins so gloriously as his mother declares in verse 1, I have gotten a man from the Lord. But oh how it ends so sadly. Where does religion lead? Well, look at verse 16 of Genesis chapter 4. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord you know the names of these two sons are very significant and we can learn lessons from their names cain means acquired or i got him so when this little boy was named they named him cain he was acquired of the lord i got him they said i have gotten him from the lord and as we have said in cain adam and eve they placed all their hope in him to be the redeemer but how he let them down even at his young age as a child, they, he would have shown that he was a sinner. And their hopes and their great anticipation that one day this boy would be the saviour were very quickly dashed to the ground. And it wasn't long, perhaps, until the second boy, Abel, was born. By the time Abel comes around, Adam and Eve have learnt an important life lesson. Because Abel's name means vanity, or vapour, or breath. Don't you think when they named the second boy that they were acknowledging the fact that their aspirations and hopes weren't being fulfilled? Abel's name would be the story of his life. It was going to be very short. They had no idea this was true. They could not have imagined that Abel would live such a brief life. But you see, Abel's brevity of life speaks to us and it's a lesson to us that our lives are very short. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible asks this question, What is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. You know how it may seem some mornings when you're going to work, you get in the car and you start your journey towards work and maybe sometimes there's a fog on the road. And in just a little while the sun comes out and it burns away the fog and it's gone. And forgotten about it. The Bible says that's the way your life and my life is. Life is so very, very brief. And there's some of you teens here this morning. You can't wait till you're 17. You get your driver's license. You get your wheels. And off you go. And there's some other people and they remember when they were 17 and 30 came very quickly. And then there's other people and they slipped on to 40. 40. Now there's some people are saying, well, I wish it was 40 again. Lesson this morning, life is very brief. Life is slipping away from every one of us at every moment. And just you remember what's done for the Lord Jesus Christ is what will last. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Maybe you think your life is mostly spent, maybe it is. What are you going to do with the rest of your time that the Lord has given to you? What are you gonna do with your life, young person? Don't waste your life. Only what's done for the Lord Jesus is going to last. We see these two sons, and in the naming of these two sons, there's great significance. Cain's name meant acquired. I got him from the Lord. Abel's name means vanity, vapor, or breath. These two boys, so very similar, yet so very different. I want you to see, secondly, their two professions. In verse 2 we read this And Abel was a keeper of sheep And Cain was a tiller of the ground We we see there are two professions Uh, Abel keeper of sheep That means he's a shepherd Uh, Cain was a tiller of the ground That means he's a farmer And these are both honourable professions Uh, There's not a right or wrong In these professions they're both honourable and so there's many similarities up to this point with these two boys. Uh, both sons had the same parents. Both grew under the same influence. Both sons grew under the same roof of, of instruction. Both sons had honorable, uh, had honorable professions. Both sons were hard workers. Both sons were exercising dominion over God's creation. Just as Genesis 1.26 and verse 28 teaches, they were fulfilling their mandate. But how strange it is, is it not, that two children with the same parents living in the same house would end up going in two opposite directions. They had two very commendable jobs and worked hard and fulfilled their mandate. But this third point is where I want to spend most of our time. There were two offerings. Two offerings brought to the Lord. And Verses 3 and 4 show us that the similarities between these two boys end. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. It's implied here in the statement, uh, in the first verse and in the process of time it came to pass. It's it's implied that there was an appointed time that God had revealed to Adam and Eve and to Cain and to Abel that they would come and they would worship the Lord. Just like there's an appointed time that you and I have been assigned to come and worship the Lord. That's today. That's the Lord's day. You remember how the Lord at at this stage has set out the Sabbath day as a day that's set aside. It was established in the creation ordinances. We learned that in chapter 2. So the Sabbath is already established. And they would come at an appointed time to worship God. Now it doesn't say that this was on the Sabbath. But this text certainly implies it. Uh, And let me say this, if you've switched off, please listen to what I say just now. All worshippers, all worshippers must bring a sacrifice. All worshippers may not come with empty hands and empty heart to the house of the Lord. All worshippers must bring that which they will give to God. Can I ask you, dear Christian, what sacrifices have you made for the Lord this week? You see, in the New Testament, we read in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 that we're to be a living sacrifice placed on the altar. That we're to give our whole lives to the Lord as well as our gifts. Our lives are to be a living sacrifice and we're taught to give our all to the Lord's work. Well, here they, the two brothers, they bring to offerings. They couldn't come into the presence of the Holy God and be received by a Holy God in their sinful state. No sinner can enter into the presence of a Holy God without a blood sacrifice. And we'll come back to that point. Both brothers come before God with their offering. The Bible says Cain brought his offering. In verse 3, he brings the fruit of the ground. Verse 4, Abel brings his offering. It's the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And I want us to look at the difference in these two offerings. Because the difference in these two offerings, these sacrifices, is the difference between religion and salvation. You keep your finger in Genesis 4, please. And take a journey into the New Testament, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, please. And the verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, in the verse 4, just the first part. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And using this little verse in Hebrews, I want to show you the threefold difference in the offering of Cain compared to the offering of Abel. The first difference was this, their attitude, their attitude. The scripture says in Hebrews, by faith, Abel offered before God. And by that, we can assume that Cain must have come to not by faith, because it was the thing to do. Cain must have come because it was the appointed time. Keen was there because he felt he had to be there. It was his formal duty to be there. Can I ask you today, are you here just out of formal duty? Young people, are you just here to keep your parents happy? Are you here just out of duty? Or maybe you're a bit older and you're just here because it's routine. It's what you've always done. It's the the general habit that that brought you here. Do you know there are churches up and down the United Kingdom and Ireland and they're absolutely eaten up with formalism. People who are just there out of formal duty. Do you know there are multitudes of people who come to the meeting of the church and they come to church services but they never actually make contact with God in their experience of so-called worship on Sunday. They just simply walk in and walk out the doors of a church building. They go through the motions. They listen to the singing of the hymns, maybe even take part in the singing of the hymns. I know of people who just lamely sing hymns and they don't even think of the words that they're singing. These people who bow their heads when somebody says bow and they stand when somebody says stand. And it's just an attitude of pure formalism. They just go to church because it's the thing to do. When Abel comes before God, the Bible says that he came with an attitude of faith. He comes understanding his need to know God. He comes understanding the need to receive the Lord into his heart and into his life. Religion is pure ceremony. Religion is pure formalism. The way of salvation is the way of faith. Nobody has ever been saved apart from faith. The Bible says, and the children learnt this at the end of last year in Ephesians 2, For by faith are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's the difference. It was an attitude. Abel comes with his faith placed in a blood sacrifice. Cain arrives out of Judah. He's there because, well, the whole family go there. It's at the appointed time. He's just there because it's the thing that everybody else was doing. The two offerings, there was a difference in these brothers' attitude. I want you to see that there was a difference in their approach. There was a difference in their approach. Look back at Hebrews 11, 4 again. It says, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. There was a difference in their approach. What was the difference between the two? You say, well, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Cain was a good farmer. He had raised some crops and now he was bringing the work of his hands, the fruit of the ground. What's wrong with that? Well, there's several things wrong with Cain doing that. Number one, he was bringing to God the fruit of a cursed earth. God has pronounced in the earlier chapters that the earth is now cursed. And yet from the cursed earth, Cain brings an offering unto God. The second thing that's wrong with the sacrifice that Cain comes offering to God, it's it's the work of his own hands. Cain would make God a receiver instead of a giver. You don't earn salvation by works. You you do not work to, to get something that will make you acceptable before God. Salvation is the gift of God. Salvation is something which God provides. And please understand this. You don't come to God with your good works. You can't get to heaven by your own works. There's only one way to get into heaven. And that's God's way. Abel offered unto the Lord a more excellent sacrifice. Cain brought the work of his own hands. And I'll tell you something else he did. Cain brought an offering without blood. Back in Genesis 3.21 God had taught Adam and Eve a very important lesson. God had taught them that an eternal truth that is as true today as it was back then and will be true for all eternity. In Hebrews it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That's an eternal principle. That is an eternal truth. There had to be blood shed. Cain thought he could worship the true God his own way. He thought that he could reinvent worship, that that he could reinvent church, if you like, that, that he could concoct his own manner of approaching God because he's very sincere. He's very sincere. And he believes God will see his sincerity and he can come and he can bring a good sacrifice and it's because he's so sincere with his fruit and his vegetables, it's going to please God. And dear friends, you could be very sincere in the way you attend here and in the way you serve here. And in the way that you do things. You could mean to do things even in this fellowship with the best intentions. But you could get it sincerely wrong. Abel came to God with a sheep. A slaughtered sheep. A lamb from his flock, yes. But it was God who had provided that lamb. And he came to God with a blood offering. Do you see what Abel did? Abel approached God on the basis of a blood substitute. He approached God in God's terms. Abel believed God and he believed the word of God and Abel believed that the only way a sinner can be acceptable before God is the shedding of the blood of a substitute. Abel approached God in the way that God wants to be approached and dear friends, that's the only way that we can approach God. Do you know what happens right here? Right here opens up the road to Calvary. Watch this progression. Genesis 4, there's one lamb for one man. Exodus 12, the night of the Passover, when they took the lamb and applied the blood to the doorpost, there was one lamb for one family. Leviticus 16, on the day of atonement, when the high priest went in with the blood of the lamb and laid it on the mercy seat, there was one lamb for one nation. And when the Lord Jesus came to be baptized of John at the river Jordan. Do you remember what John said? He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There was one Lamb for the whole world. God's way is the blood way. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I will never get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. There's a difference in attitude. Abel came by faith. There's a difference in approach. Abel brought a bleeding lamb. There's a difference in acceptance. Abel's offering was accepted. It was accepted. Hebrews says, God testified to his gifts. In Genesis, the Genesis way of putting this is the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering the word respect means God looked with favour on Abel's offering but look at verse 5 in Genesis if you will turn back to Genesis 5 but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect there Cain stands and he sees approval has fallen upon the sacrifice of his brother and he looks at his the works of his hands no blood in the matter he looks up to heaven and there's no acceptance there's no approval from God now I want you to see the sin. It says here in verse 5 that Cain was very wroth. That he was angry. His countenance fell. Do you see the progress of sin? Back in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned it brought shame. They were ashamed that they had sinned. Now Cain sins. And instead of bringing shame, he is angry. And it brings rebellion. See the progress of sin. It says his countenance fail. I think we've all seen this. What does it mean? It means you could see it written all over his face. Have you ever seen a little child disappointed? Their countenance falls. Their face tells the story. Have you ever seen anybody get angry? It affects their countenance, how they look. Cain's face became dark with fury. There was an anger in his heart. And it's now reflected on his face. That face very often mirrors the thoughts of the heart. The face of a person very often holds their history. Maybe even what lies ahead in the future. The face is the history of the past of a person. Sometimes you can see the history of sin and and the corruption on someone's face. Sometimes you can even think of what that person might do in the future if God doesn't intervene. And can I say something? It's a marvellous thing to see someone's countenance change when Christ Jesus comes into a life. I'm finished, and we will pick up this passage again next time, but let me say this as I close. Cain's bloodless sacrifice represents the worship of every false religion and the worship of every false believer who thinks they can come just come as they are. Jude 11 refers to this as the way of Cain. It is the way of it, of defiant disobedience against God. It's referred to in Psalm 1 verse 6 as the way of the wicked. It's referred to by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7 as the way that is broad that leads to destruction. This is the path that Cain chose to travel and he turned up to the worship service. But he wasn't worshipping. He got his attitude wrong. And he got his approach all wrong. And today... I don't know your heart, nor does anybody else around. You could be sat in your suit, well turned out. You could be sat dressed in your Sunday best, well turned out. But the Lord knows your heart, and you know your heart. You could be standing in the shoes of Cain, refusing the offer of the gospel, refusing the mercy of God, refusing the offer of the cross. You you could just... Spend your life listening to it and not responding. And you might want to come your own way to God. That's Cain. Or you're able today. You recognize your own sin. You confess your sin. You see that there's a blood sacrifice that's been made. You believe in God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And your whole life and all of your sin is under the blood of Jesus Christ. So this is the offer that God makes to you. He spoke it through the prophet in Isaiah when God said, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Each of us need to have our sins forgiven. And it starts with faith and trust in what Christ has done at the cross of Calvary. In repentance of sin and realizing that our own way doesn't lead to heaven. We need sins forgiven. You cannot come into the presence of a holy God without being under the blood. The blood that Christ shed at the cross, that blood is still offered to you today. And for what is to the world a gory story, is a glory story for each one of us. If we would trust in Christ, if you're saved here today, don't become complacent in your walk. God calls you to lay your life on the altar. Can I ask you, did you do that in the past week? Saviour, thy dying love, thou gavest me. Nor should I ought withhold, dear Lord, from thee. In love my soul would buy; My heart fulfil its vow. Some offering bring thee nigh. Something for thee. We're going to sing as we close this part of our service. We're, we're going to sing Rock of Ages Me." The, the hymn had possibly changed, but it's the way of the cross leads home. And I will pray and we'll sing the way of the cross leads home uh, after we have prayed. Let's pray together as we respond to God's word. Our Father, we bow in thy presence today. Father, your word weighs so heavy in our hearts today. For Father, for those of us who are trusting thee, we praise you for the sacrifice of Calvary. We thank you, Father, for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, the one who offered himself for us. We thank you for the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And Father, we realise without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for our sin. So, our Father, for those of us who are trusting in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would help us to walk according to your will and purpose. That we would walk and show lives that are forever with gratitude for all that you have done for us. But, Father, I pray for those who may be set here this morning, and maybe everyone else around, Father, believes they're saved. Father, I pray for... Those whose hearts are cold. Those who are just doing things their own way. Father, I pray that even today that you would save and move in lives. For, Father, we have been taught from your word this morning. There's only one way to approach our God, and it's through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless us, and we pray this in the Savior's name. Amen.